Welcome back. You are listening to The Good, The Bad, and The Backlog, the podcast where each week we go through our backlog one game at a time and knock them off. I'm your host, Adam, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host. He's the man with an obsessive compulsion to click pens, Kieran. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that was one time, right? It was more than one time. I had to edit that out like 15 times in one podcast. (laughs) Well, one podcast, I mean. But you'll be pleased to know I've traded it in for a... State-of-the-art pencil. Ah, uh, yes. With no clicker. That's good. Love a rudimentary instrument for writing. <laughs> <laughs> don't Who doesn't? I don't write for hours about pencils. Imagine when, when the person invented the pencil. Like, they would have been stoked with themselves. They would. It's such a strange thing, really. Yeah. It's like a, a, graphite, a graphite tip that just comes off in layers. It's yeah. magical stuff, really. I know. And Truly. You only write with the tip, so just the tip. That's pretty cool. Just the tip, yeah. Yeah. And then you just got to get a sharp knife and chisel away at the tip. <laughs> okay, that doesn't sound as good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Talking about sexual in- innuendos, how's your week been? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How's your week been? <laughs> um, much like the tip of the pencil, it's been... No, I, c- I can't think of anything to relate to that, sadly. Uh, it w- would have been good. I could have had something really funny, but alas, there's nothing. Uh, and yeah, the week's been all right. It's uh, much like every other podcast. It's been very uneventful. Oh, that's okay. I think mostly just done, just done a bit of gaming, you know? Bit of bit of exercise, bit of working out, and a bit of gaming. So oh. pretty nice, mostly. How about you? That sounds lovely. I had a bit of a shit fight with my laptop this week. Um, I know. Yeah, if you saw any of my um, Instagram stories, I um, I think I spoke to you about this weeks ago, but I upgraded to Catalina, the Mac recent uh, OS, yeah. and it basically completely fucked all of the apps that I can use because it stops you from being able to use anything lower than 64-bit or whatever it's called, yeah. which meant I couldn't use any of the Adobe software anymore. I couldn't use Final Cut anymore. Um, I couldn't use Photoshop a whole host of things that I couldn't use that I was getting ready to use because we've been Twitch Twitch, Twitch streaming. And um, I wanted to like edit some of the footage for highlights, but couldn't use Final Cut. So I ended up having to like back up my computer and then wipe everything back to a previous backup. So I'm back using Mojave, I think it's Mojave, called. Mojave, yeah, that's the one I'm on. Yeah. That's a real pain in the ass. I feel like these updates... Oh, they, they more often cause problems with Microsoft Windows because every time I have an update on my Windows laptop, it, it's like something goes wrong or I just have to wait 100 hours for something to install again. But yeah. usually with Mac, I haven't got any problem. But I think by now, my Mac is actually too old to update anymore. <laughs> I think it's probably like 10 years old now. So it's probably Mojave's. When did you get it? Uh, I got it. Yeah, it was like 2010. So... um. Oh. Mine's a 2012 model. All right. It's the first time I've actually had like an OS update where something's gone wrong because um, normally I'm like, oh, yeah, just another update. I'll do that. No problem. And I didn't research this one whatsoever. And um, yeah, I just couldn't use any of the software that I needed to get our YouTube channel going. So that was fucking annoying. It took like uh, maybe two full days for me to get it back up and running. But now I can use um, I can't use Final Cut still. Um, 
but that's okay. I've got access to Adobe Premiere, so that's I think that's something. Yeah, arguably better anyway. Depends what your use is, I guess. <laughs> Final Cut, I was taught how to use, so that's why I'm more Final comfortable Cut is with easier, it. if you ask me. Yeah, I find it easier. Yeah, but, um, that's just because I started it when I was at uni. Yeah, um, not like <laughs> didn't study a course in Final Cut, but it was one of the <laughs> you know video editing. Yeah classes that i had to do yeah still that's a that's a real shit uh, shit situation and not fun nice way to waste a few, <sighs> yeah. a few hours or a few days so it's safe to say that the next laptop i get it is definitely not going to be a mac because um yeah i don't want to have to repurchase all this software and um i even looked at the app store for what final cut costs and it's like 499 dollars. i'm like i'm not spending that much money on a new final cut no i mean and then dare dare i suggest that you pirate a copy. I mean, I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't do that. I wouldn't know how. I tried to... Right, here's the th- thing. I'm pretty sure that the Final Cut that I'm using is pirated from eight years ago when I got my laptop. Right. But I don't know how to torrent anymore because <laughs> the Pirate Bay is gone as far as I know. And I've just never needed to like torrent anything since like maybe four years ago. Yeah. So, I just don't even bother. I haven't bothered. For for ages, I think the the last thing I downloaded was uh, a film. I can't remember what it was. Like some shitty Jean Claude Van Damme film. <laughs> it's a really obscure thing to to torrent, but wow! Uh, I I obviously really needed it at that time, and I didn't want to pay for it. Uh, but yeah, at this point, I'm also like you. I kind of I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the way into the to the dark side of the web anymore. Yeah, like I I, I have uTorrent. I don't know how to use it and I don't know the websites to go to to find stuff. But um, back in the day, I used to just download mainly Japanese movies that weren't released in Australia um, or anime that hasn't gotten a Western release. But since like streaming services are up now, I have plenty of stuff to watch. So, I've never needed to like go and do that again. Yeah. Anyway. I, I There's a friend of mine. He's, he's got one of those Amazon Fire sticks. And I think he, he, he hacked it or something so that you can literally... Um, you can almost use these pirate base sort of sites that they don't you don't download them you stream off them uh, and oh, so it's like yeah. it's like pirating itself is is adapting and evolving to the ways of the current streaming society i had someone send me a link to a website where you can just stream movies and i'm like nah, that's shit i don't want to stream movies i want to watch stuff like in high def yeah and i doubt that whatever website i'm streaming from is going to give me the same experience as you know watching an actual high definition either blu-ray or um you know something on netflix or whatever so yeah i'm yeah kind of i'm anti-piracy at the moment at least because i don't know how to do it (laughs) (laughs) and because it's theft and you shouldn't do it yeah that's too. disclaimer from the good the bad and the backlog we do not uh condone pirating no we don't it's really funny though because back in the day um i used to download a lot of episodes of ink master and because it's owned by spike tv they for some reason this is like going back five plus years ago they had access to people's ip addresses for like who downloaded their stuff and then they would send the their internet provider um, I think I was with TPG at the time, who was an obviously an Australian internet provider. And then they would send you like cease and desist emails and then threaten lawsuits and stuff, <laughs> but it never actually happened. So, like all this effort and time they put into like tracking down the people downloading stuff and sending cease and desist, um, they never once like 
sent anybody to court. Wow. As far as I know. They're literally just all bark, no bite. Yeah, it was a waste of time. And there, were, there was that other thing that happened with the Dallas Buyer Club movie. Do you remember that? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, anyway, it was this movie with Jared Leto in it where he plays like a trans woman or something. And um, for some reason, that production company was like dead set on anyone who has downloaded this movie. We're going to take you to court. And they sent like court shit to everyone that downloaded it. And I never downloaded it because I was like, why the fuck would I want to watch this stupid movie with Jared Leto in it? Who is an idiot? <laughs> his head is so far up his ass. He tastes chocolate when he wakes up in the morning. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, okay. My sister got one of the cease and desist. <laughs> right. Because she downloaded the movie. Um, and then nothing happened from it. So, yeah. I don't know. It's weird. Because like at the time, the argument was... Um, Australia didn't have access to any streaming services whatsoever. So, that's the reason why everyone was pirating stuff. But now that we have access, pirating has gone down so far that basically no one's downloading anything just out of sheer convenience of watching Netflix. Yeah. I think that's probably the same worldwide, mostly. To be fair, yeah. I can see, I can kind of agree that if you're downloading stuff that you actually can't get in your country, I think that's fine. Like, Or you'd have to yeah. pay out huge amounts of money to import dvds with all this like obscure anime and whatnot you know that's yeah. fine yeah totally and okay i know we're going like really far off tangent but i'm not done with this conversation yet um <laughs> <laughs> i'm just not done no i'm not done we're done when i say we're done yes and um the biggest and most pirated show slash movie is was game of thrones because back in those days when it's first started airing it was only airing on um so, it's kind of like cable TV here in Australia. It's called Foxtel. Yeah. And it costs you like 50 plus dollars a month for a subscription. It's like really fucking expensive. Yeah. And um, so, most people don't have Foxtel unless they're either a cashed up bogan or they're rich. Um, and this is before like any other streaming services were available. So, nobody was- willing to pay Foxtel to watch Game of Thrones. So, instead, that's the reason why everyone was pirating Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. And then Netflix and Stan came out, which are both streaming services in Australia. So, people just started watching that instead. And then Foxtel was forced to change its company business model to include streaming and um, packages, which gave people just the channel that they wanted, such as HBO, which is that what Game of Thrones was on. So, yeah. people would just pay temporarily to watch Game of Thrones while it was airing and then cancel their subscription. So, yeah, I anyway. did the exact same thing with Game of Thrones. I, I, I pirated the first few seasons, then I just stopped watching it. Then I had a free yeah. uh, 30-day trial on Now TV and I thought, oh, Game of Thrones is on there. I'll just like watch it all through really quick then cancel. And I did that. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because when I canceled it, uh, they, they had this real desperate message come up being like, are you sure you want to leave? <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> it's like, are you really sure? <laughs> yes. And then they say, we'll give you six months for like £1.80 a month. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's actually pretty cheap. I'll stick with that. So I guess their desperation worked, but that's so cheap compared to the eight ninety nine or whatever that you have to pay ordinarily so <laughs> it's just like, yeah. quite funny oh, i hate these companies though because like i just canceled i just moved house and then um my last housemate was going to stay there for another month and the internet was in my name so i just kept it active um and then once she left i canceled the internet and they're like oh are we sure that we can't get you to like move your internet over and i'm like no, I've moved out. I'm in a place now that already has internet. They're like, oh, well, 
what about your housemate? Do they want the internet? I'm like, they're gone too. (laughs) (laughs) There's nobody to pay for your internet. Stop bugging me. Back off. No one wants you anymore. (laughs) Yeah, I know. It was like, it reminded me of every time when I was in my early 20s when someone was about to break up with me. Yeah. (laughs) I can change, I swear. yeah oh god surprisingly similar <laughs> let's let's get this back on track so yes we really should yes uh the game for this week that we have been playing is enslaved odyssey to the west some of them call me monkey Okay, so, Enslaved Odyssey to the West is an action-adventure game developed by Ninja Theory, who you may know from some of their other hits, um, Heavenly Sword, uh, they've also done Senua's Sacrifice, or Hellblade Senua's Sacrifice, and they are the developers responsible for rebooting Devil May Cry, which wasn't very successful, but I actually quite liked that reboot. Hmm. Um, Enslaved came out in 2010 for the Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, and the complete edition was released in 2013 for Microsoft PC and PlayStation 3. It's interesting, actually, because I did not know there was a complete edition. Yeah, neither did I. There was a DLC, which is um, something to do with Pigsy, the character, but I never played it, never downloaded it, don't intend to play it. Yep, I never played it, and it seems that it's not even on the store anymore, so I don't actually think you can buy it. Ah, well, it's uh, definitely not going to be accessible on uh, Xbox, that's for sure. No, I guess the complete edition might come with it. I don't know, but I don't think it's a big deal either way. <laughs> okay. Um, Enslaved is an action-adventure game set 150 years in the future in a post-apocalyptic world after um, some sort of massive war involving machines where... Basically, nature has reclaimed all the cities and it's all covered in lush vegetation. Um, And it stars Monkey, who is a very muscular man with terrible posture, and a girl named Trip, who uh, is kind of (laughs) bland. Yeah, she she is a little bit. She's a bit of a... I mean... She's a bit of a... uh, She's like a hacker, a technological person who's good with computers and shit. And that's that's Trip. Yep. Trip. Um, full name is like Tripper Tucker or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So, Enslaved is based off of the Chinese novel published in the 16th century during the Ming Dynasty, um, which is commonly known as Monkey. So, it had a very popular... TV show, I think, back in the 90s, which was translated worldwide uh, to English-speaking countries. It was commonly referred to as Monkey Magic because of the theme song. So, if you're familiar with that, um, that is what Enslaved Odyssey to the West is based off of. Also, Journey to the West was a major inspiration for Dragon Ball. So, I mean, Goku has a tail, so he's essentially Monkey. (laughs) (laughs) It's a loose connection at best. Well, I think Dragon Ball, like the first series, not including Z and everything after that, 
the connections are a lot more obvious because you have like characters that there's like is his name like Oolong or something the pig guy I think that's a type of tea yeah I think that's his name because <laughs> everyone's named off of food <laughs> monkey yeah um, yeah so they've got like Goku is like the monkey they've got the pig dude they've got like the little floating other animal thing and Master Roshi was like the turtle guy so right. Oh, and obviously, Goku flies around on a cloud. So, that's another common thing about Journey to the West is Monkey has a cloud that he floats on, which is also in Enslaved. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess, like, yeah. the main the main plot to Journey to the West or, or Monkey is that it's a pilgrimage. This monk goes to the um, western part of China or is it India? And he's just looking for scriptures to, like increase their spiritual enlightenment that sort of thing that's a very basic plot synopsis because i have no idea about this book never read it never even heard of it until researching this game honestly well that's because you're not a very cultured person but yeah well i always preferred the other three four uh, <laughs> the other three great <laughs> classical novels of the chinese literature this one obviously just passed me by <laughs> what are the other three uh well you know there's that uh actually one of them isn't one of them the romancing saga that sort of thing. Ah, oh, possibly. Romance of the Three Kingdoms. I think that's one of them. My favorite one is Does He Love Me? A Guide to Ancient Chinese Tea. Yeah, that's that's probably the great classical novel uh, of the Chinese Chinese literature. Um, <laughs> and Bridget Jones's Diary is another good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, A Song of Ice and Fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Cool. All right. <laughs> So, the setup to this game is you're playing as Monkey, you wake up on this slave ship thing. Um, this is another, it's it's kind of similar to Horizon Zero Dawn in the sense that it's like um, sort of lush settings in a, you know, like previous city and there's robots and shit. Yeah. Yeah, actually, um, just before we get onto that, there was an interesting bit that I didn't realize. It's just written on the Wikipedia page about this being inspired by a series uh, called Life After People. I've never watched it, but it's an interesting kind of thought experiment series where each episode they consider what life would be like after humans or if humans just suddenly disappeared. And I think it often it might go into like how nature would take over buildings and cities and reclaim everything. So uh, yeah, that's like the huge uh, main environmental kind of aspect to enslaved lots of greenery trees and just waterways working its way through cities it's very cool and yeah you can see the relation to horizon zero dawn kind of loosely a little bit it is definitely like the main sort of attraction i find with this game is the the environments and the graphics and like the whole sort of post-apocalyptic setting like, it's so far removed from, like, a Fallout game kind of post-apocalyptic thing. Oh, yeah. It's it's verdant, it's green, it's full of life. There there were scenes in it. I mean, the graphics are of their time, so you can't compare them to uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. They are far worse. But you do see animals in some of the cities. Uh, they're, they're kind of <laughs> badly worked into the scenery sometimes but there was one point where you kind of see a deer in the distance mm -hmm. and there were birds and stuff and it's pretty it's pretty nice it definitely is a fresh change from your greys and greens of the fallouts uh and even like last of us is a little bit kind of 
it's similar to Last of Us, but Last of Us is a little bit more dull, I would have said. Yeah, it, this is definitely a lot more vibrant and eye-catching and eye-popping and pretty rather yeah. than like the grim feeling of most post-apocalyptic games nowadays. And I will say as well that it's, even considering that the game is like 10 years old, the facial animations are better than Horizon Zero Dawn. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the first things I noticed. The actual faces look convincing. Yeah, um, Trip looks like a real person. Well, her eyes look a little bit big, but she looks like a real person. Like, it's still got like the sort of over-exaggerated design features that you would find yeah. in video games. It is still a video game. Yeah, and like Monkey, his fingers are huge. They're absolutely <laughs> massive. He has the biggest hands I've ever seen. <laughs> I had some really um, dirty thoughts about what he could do with those fingers, but <laughs> <laughs> just like from a perspective of if Trip and Monkey were having a relationship, how's that going to work out for her? <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> well, let's not go down that road. <laughs> not, not yet, anyway. <laughs> no, nah, we'll get there. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, the setting. You wake up on this slaver ship as Monkey. Um, Trip is in a pod sort of nearby you and she manages to escape. You're lucky enough to escape as well. So, you're sort of chasing after her and then trying to get to an escape pod. And then eventually, you both manage to get off this ship that is crashing. And uh, when Monkey wakes up uh, after losing consciousness, he's with Trip who has put on this sort of headband device which allows her to control him basically. So, if her heartbeat were to stop or uh, he would disobey her, she could basically kill him. And she uses that as blackmail to get him to help her get back home because he's a, he can obviously take care of himself and she needs protection because um, she's not a fighter. She's a tech person. And later on to, in as vague terms as possible, um, take revenge. So, yeah. Yeah. And we should say that the escape from the collapsing and like exploding slaver ship is worked as a tutorial so you have to do a lot of platforming and jumping to get to get through this slaver ship to get the trip and you also come across one of the um i think it's one of the slaves on the ship who has one of these helmets on and you you he kind of disobeys his rules by talking to to monkey and then you see his head kind of explode or, or the the helmet kills him so that's your first introduction to the helmet and then yeah. shortly later on that's when you uh, trip puts one on you and you realize you're kind of in her service yeah that whole setup had me not liking trip very much in the early chapters of the game <laughs> yeah honestly i feel like there isn't enough anger from monkey i get that he is kind of in this position where he can't really be angry at trip yeah or at least not like in a physical way uh, but there isn't really any uh, verbal like you absolute bitch. What the fuck have you done? There's no, uh, there's none of that, which I feel like there probably should have been. But maybe Monkey's just yeah. a very calm person and holding back the rage until he's got it off. I think there was um, an an insinuation, but I'm pretty sure it was coming from Trip's side of it, where she said that as soon as I take this off you, you're probably going to snap my neck or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But yeah, I. Because of that whole setup, I found it really hard to connect to her, especially in the early chapters, because her character... So, we're going slightly into game mechanics now, but her character is going to be with you through the majority of the entire game. And um, 
the wiki says that part of the inspiration for Enslaved is also eco. So Yeah, I know. <laughs> Red flag right there. I didn't realise that at all before we played, <laughs> but um, this is better than eco. <laughs> yes, I will, I will say absolutely this, like, trip is ten times more tolerable than eco is. No, than Yorda is in Yorda. eco. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, she is partnered with you and a lot of the puzzles that you sort of need to solve are based around keeping Trip safe because um, as they're making their way through the city, which is New York, um, and going through the various land landmarks, there are these leftover robots from the previous war that ended civilization. So, they come back to life and since she's not a fighter, uh, you got to sort of protect her and um, she has- a couple of abilities that can help you, like, um, create a distraction with her technology to create a hologram. So, it will, like, draw fire away from the turrets. So, it gives Monkey an opportunity to, you know, climb a wall or do some platforming or whatever it may be to gain ground so he can eventually get to the turret and then take it out. And there's other, like, so there's sort of, like, two-person puzzle mechanics as well that you would find in maybe like a Resident Evil Zero or something like that. Like, you're not directly controlling Trip, but you are directing her through commands to, you know, pull a lever or um, press a button or hack a thing or something like that. So, it uh, works into the the puzzle mechanics, which yeah, is a works, lot better. It works pretty well, and uh, the cover mechanic is quite helpful, although it is it is funny to me how even though you could be complete in plain view of a of a robot who's shooting you, you just get tripped to do the hologram, to to decoy um, away from yeah. you, and the robot will instantly turn to the decoy. Like that's obviously just a more tempting target for the robot. <laughs> it's like ooh, pretty flashing lights. Let's yeah. shoot that Better thing. Better shoot that. Yeah, ignore the immediate threat that's right by me. He's going to kill me. <laughs> yeah, it's very convenient, but it, it, it I don't know. It works pretty well. No complaints, really. I do have some complaints about the climbing, though. Um, yeah. That definitely showed its age. But yes. how about you take that away? <laughs> so, the climbing, very much inspired or, you know, similar to games of the time, like Uncharted, Tomb Raider sort of thing, where you can only climb certain very obvious bits of scenery. And in, in this game, they basically highlight these bits by making them shine and glimmer from miles away. And... Mm-hmm. You don't have to really, you can't make a mistake really. You just, you, it's like Horizon Zero Dawn where you just push in a direction with the analog stick and there you go. Uh, you don't really have to use your brain too much. Um, and you've got your simple, actually, monkey can jump about a hundred feet in the air off of mm-hmm. a pole. <laughs> he is a superhuman and very, very talented and is a supreme climber. Uh, yeah <laughs> yeah um, it's it's not the best aspect of the game and sadly there is quite a lot of platforming and climbing like this and it's you know i think you get used to it the more you play you kind of accept that it's a huge part of the game and um yeah I, I, you know it's not the worst thing in the world admittedly but it's definitely of its time yeah i agree i mean it it caused a few issues for me while I was playing because um I actually think that this was according to Wikipedia at least like this was one of the main criticisms for the game when it was initially reviewed was um the clunkiness of the controls so 
Like, I have no problem with there being, like, easily highlighted uh, easily highlighted handholds and, and things that you can jump onto. That's fine. But for some reason, when you're, like, pressing the joystick in the area that you want to jump to and then you press the button to jump, it doesn't really, like, maybe 75% of the time it will register what you want to do. But the other 25% of the time, it doesn't know what you're trying to do. So, you just kind of stall and, like, you could be pressing the direction button like up for instance and then monkey just won't jump up to the next handheld like handhold or whatever then you move the joystick to i don't maybe it's like up left and then he won't do it then you go back to up and then you press the button then all of a sudden now he decides to jump up so it's like kind of unresponsive but i gave it a free pass because it's an older game and i was enjoying my time with it enough to not be bothered by the annoying jumping yeah i actually i don't remember having an issue with that. Uh, maybe it's it. I don't think it's specific to the Xbox version, but um, I definitely had problems with it registering. Maybe I just got lucky. Maybe, maybe um, I'm just really bad at direction. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that did annoy me though um, was that there are these sections where you need to throw Trip up a ledge, yeah, and you can throw her there. But monkey can't make the jump, even though when you are on the side of a building, you can make further than that jump easily. Yeah. But for some reason, when he's just standing on a platform, he can't jump that high. It's really strange. Yeah, for all intents and purposes, you could easily make that jump. But yeah, for some reason, you've got to go find the long way around, which might involve weaving your way inside or around bombs and mines or probably robots and have to fight the load to get to the other side where you can make a climb to to meet up with trip to continue your progression yeah yeah and this this is a continual sort of aspect that keeps on popping up throughout the game it bothered me at the time uh but then i got used to it but it was just one of those things where it's like kind of an invisible wall that you that you get in games where you know like they the devs don't want you to go that way so you can't go that way even though logically you have the ability to so Whatever. I mean, it's just one of those things. Yeah, and it's also got things where if you approach an edge, you you can't fall off. So there are invisible barriers on most of the platforms you're on. So there's only one way yeah. to jump, and perhaps that kind of takes you out of out of it a little bit, it ruins a little bit of the immersion. But again, you you understand this is a part of the game, and you mm-hmm. you you start to be able to to notice which way you've got to go, and you don't really ever have to think. Well, I want to go this way. Why can't I? It's not not an issue too much. Um, But yeah, I would kind of describe this game, honestly, like Uncharted meets Jack and Daxter meets Borderlands meets God of War meets Beyond Good and Evil. A combination of that, it's very um, PS2-ish in some of its aspects that they've just kind of brought over to a PS3 and uh, Xbox 360 game. I quite like it, though. It was quite fun. (laughs) Yeah, I liked it a lot. I definitely get the Beyond Good and Evil similarities because i i felt that too while i was playing especially when you get introduced to another character further down the line named pigsy yeah definitely later in the game that's when i started to get the beyond good and evil vibes yeah um what did you think about the character designs uh i i mean they were okay there's not particularly too much going on really like monkey he's just a very brawn brawny big character facially i quite like his design uh trip yeah Trip is she's pretty. She's pretty. She's. Uh, I guess she she looks like she fits into the 
all the characters fit into the place. Uh, I think she isn't anything particularly special with design. She she hasn't got like uh, a hugely memorable outfit. I feel like Monkey and the later character Pigsy are a bit more memorable. Yeah, I was gonna say I actually find her to be kind of out of place because you've got Monkey who resembles sort of a gorilla looking mm. thing. And then you've got Pigsy, who comes in later, who is actually, like, an obese pig-looking slob kind of guy. And then she's just, like, this plain Jane, see you at the mall kind of girl. <laughs> just, like, doesn't quite fit in. Yeah, I, I get what you mean. I get yeah. what you mean. She's cool, though. Like, I like her. It's funny to me how when you look at Heavenly Sword, Ninja Theory's previous game, the the main heroine is a red-headed woman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, well... I can see what they're like. Um, someone's got a type. <laughs> yeah, someone's got a type down at Ninja Theory. I was half expecting <laughs> Senua from Hellblade to be <laughs> another redhead. Well, she could be. I think she's just got mud in her hair. Uh, so it's underneath the mud, it's red. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the character design's pretty good overall. Um, yeah, it's nothing too memorable there. That's that's all I'd say for for all of them. Uh, okay, I actually quite like Monkey's design a lot. Like he, um, it's he's got like that sort of over exaggerated anatomy that you'd find in the early PS2 platformers. Like, who's that guy? Is it Jack and Daxter? Yeah, the guy that's like an actual person. Jack Jack is the uh, is the human. Yeah, Jack's the dude. Okay, I always get them confused with um Ratchet and Clank. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Neither of them are human. <laughs> anyway, he's got like that really sort of like thin waist thing and then these giant hands and like hunchback of Notre Dame hump on his back. Um, but he does look like and and his animation is very monkey like. And even though he doesn't have a tail, he's got like this sort of belt thing that hangs down that resembles a tail. So I thought that was really cool um, and a good way to interpret that character that way. Yeah. And maybe the silver hair kind of signifies like a silverback sort of gorilla. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked his character a lot. I, I found Trip to be kind of plain Jane because obviously she doesn't have like a monkey equivalent, not monkey, an animal equivalent. Yeah. Um, and then Pigsy just kind of made me feel sick to my stomach. Yeah, and I think that is perfect for him. Yeah. <laughs> He's a bit of a sleazy monstrosity as a as a man. So, yeah. Yeah, I found it hard though because like, they're, they're trying to get the player to care about this guy but he's just like this horny sweaty blob of a person who like he is disgusting he's a disgusting man yeah he like you look at him and you can imagine how he smells and he's just like nah no thanks no hmm. so i didn't really connect with him um but his design itself like his animations and all that sort of stuff were great i just didn't like looking at him <laughs> yeah yeah, it was pretty horrible. So, should we talk about the elephant in the room? Not Pigsy, but um, Andy Circus. Andy Circus. We should we should bring <laughs> up Andy Circus. He's uh, quite a big role in this game. Yeah. So, uh, anyone that doesn't know who Andy Circus is, he is that. Um, is he American or is he British? He is British. Yes. So this British actor who is um, very famous for doing mocap characters like. Is he Gollum? He's Gollum, isn't he? He is Gollum. He is yeah. King Kong in Peter Jackson's yeah. King Kong. And He's in Rise of the Planet of the Apes as well, I think. He plays one of the monkeys. Oh, yeah. Funnily enough. Yeah, he's done a f- he's done quite a few big roles. 
Yeah, so I think he mocaps um, Monkey in this game, and he is also the voice actor for him. So he does a really good performance, I find. Um, the voice acting in this game is really good. Just yeah. full stop. Yeah. For sure. Um, but the elephant in the room is... <laughs> comes down to these collectibles that you get along the way, which are <laughs> sort of tied into um, Monkey's mask. So, he'll go and see these glowing white mask icons and then touch it. And then what happens? <laughs> you get a big kind of flashback to the past. And some of these might just be scenery. Like, you might be in an area like the Grand Canyon and you see times past uh, or present day Grand Canyon or other times you might see a man riding a horse that looks something like Andy Circus, or a man riding a dinghy through through a river and it might be Andy Circus. <laughs> it's just Andy really, Circus really odd. Legitimately has his family holiday photos in this game. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it looks like. So you get like these snapshots of the world before the apocalypse and it's all of Andy Circus and he, like actual photos of him. And then he's like inserted into places like the Grand Canyon and the Boston Bridge. And it's just like- <laughs> It's just really, really odd. He's uh, just like, oh, look, look at my holiday snaps. Here I am on the Boston Bridge. This is me at the theater. Here I am going for a hike. This is me at the dentist. <laughs> yeah, it's just really Let's odd. Let's walk through some corn. They don't really, it doesn't really offer you anything until the very end of the game. Uh, yeah. So you're kind of just going through the game seeing these these uh, visions. You're <laughs> just wondering what the fuck everything's all about. So odd. Uh, it was so distracting because, like, I'm not seeing a character, I'm seeing Andy Circus. <laughs> yeah, it was just quite humorous. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, Andy, what are you doing here? <laughs> For God's sake. It's just- How'd your photos get in here from that time you went to the mall? <laughs> it's just <laughs> <Yeah>. stupid. <laughs> I was like halfway through, I was like, did they just run out of like graphics to create some sort of flashback and they're just resorting to family photos? <laughs> like, yeah. It just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. I Maybe they should have given a little bit more context with them. But, you know, it's, uh, it is what it is and it is quite hilarious. <laughs> and it does, it pays off to, towards the end, which we'll talk about later. Yeah. So, I think it's actually a double-edged sword because on the, the one hand, it kind of pulled me out of the the experience because um, I'm not seeing just a person, I'm seeing an actor. And it's one of those things where, like, I can't distinguish between, you know, Angelina Jolie and Maleficent. You know, it's Angelina Jolie. You just see the actor. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then because of that, I, I kind of disregarded them. And then because there's no context for it, when it actually came time for the end, when this sort of part is resolved, it caught me off guard. It's like, oh, there was a point to it. But we'll get into that towards the end. Yes. Yeah, that, that'll be something interesting to talk about for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So. Yeah. The masks are one of two collectibles you have in this game, by the way. You have the masks... And then you have these tech orbs, which kind of act as your experience, which you can then trade in for upgrades to your combat and your health, etc. Uh, and mm-hmm. you, you, your upgrades are through are done through trip. So you have a menu uh, when you, it's like the same menu you use when you want to get trip to distract robots, that sort of thing. At the bottom, you'll have an upgrade tree where you can upgrade monkeys' abilities and stuff. Um, and this is very much like your typical action action adventure game where you could just like you add a few more abilities to your weapons to your um 
to your attack trees. You get like focus attacks, uh, charge attacks, increase the power. You also have a gun, which, uh, or not a gun, some kind of weird laser, laser staff thing, plasma beam. Yeah. Like shooting lasers out of your staff. Yeah. It's quite cool. I, I like it because it is actually quite powerful and definitely one of the more useful weapons in the game for getting rid of some monsters, some robots. But the aiming is a little bit frustrating, wouldn't you agree? I actually didn't have any problems with it. I don't want to be a contrarian, but oh, I thought it was fine. I feel like um, it's... Or maybe it's the fact that it's really slow. Oh, the reload speeds is annoying. Reload speed is annoying, although I think you can upgrade it once to, to speed it up. It's more like from if you want to go from staff combat to shoot in, you, you can't really do it very quick and... Uh, yeah, I I often mm. died um, a few times when I might have been trying to like use one of the shock shock beams to to freeze robots and like missed because uh, because the robot had kind of got to me before I was able to shoot because it took too long to get the staff up uh, and yeah, yeah. That, that that killed me a few times but that may also have been playing on hard difficulty uh, which meant the robots were far more powerful. Yeah, I I played on normal this time around. I was quite content on just playing standard difficulty and I had a pretty breezy time. I think I died maybe once or twice by accident. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, I I died loads of times. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, you had the challenge. Yeah. Um, But just talking on the, uh, the orbs thing, I actually found it really frustrating because the orbs are uh, considered a collectible and a currency and there are so many of them and it's tied to a trophy so you have to collect like every single one of them in every level to get the trophy and yes. I actually hated that. Yeah, there's no chance I'm getting that and there's also yeah, an issue which you, you probably wouldn't have noticed being that you only died once or twice that if you die after collecting all the orbs around a level you uh, you have to collect them all again. So um, Really? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they all get reset, and this includes masks as well. You have to go find the mask, <laughs> relive the vision again, <sighs> uh, and it's just—it's very frustrating. And there's also no kind of counter, or n- there's no way of knowing if you've got everything. I don't—I don't, I don't yeah. think. I'm not sure. I think there might be a chapter select in the men- menu which you can then go, and it might say if you've uh, like a percentage of gems got or whatever. There is. Okay. Yeah, well, there is. I haven't—I haven't done that, and like like you, I—I I probably won't go back and do it. It does say though um, on the guide that I was looking at um, that the orbs that you have collected in your playthrough will stay collected. So if you do a chapter select, they won't be visible on the screen. Um, so you just need to find the ones that you left behind. So it makes it easier to track down which ones you're missing. Um, oh, FYI, I, I played this game blind. I just checked the guide about in reference to the trophies. So I didn't use a guide at any point to solve any of the puzzles. I never got lost. Um, I never had any issues with the combat or went up against a boss that I didn't know how to beat. I found it all very not easy, but um, obvious, yeah. like what had to be done. So I definitely didn't need a guide. Yeah, the only time I ever had to look on YouTube or online was when there was one combat situation uh, halfway through the game where I just I was constantly dying, and 
I just wanted to kind of look up a playthrough just to see if there was any tips that I could be using or if there was like uh, some way to to get around the hard part of the fight and there wasn't so I just had to kind of um, trial and error it, error it but but like you I had no problem getting through the levels they were all fairly obvious where you needed to go yeah so we should talk about the combat some more I found it relatively good it was very basic to me but uh, it wasn't broken by any means and I didn't have any issues like nothing was janky enough that it sort of threw me off or hindered my experience so, like, the way that Monkey handles is he primarily fights with melee combat with his fists as light attacks and his staff is used for heavy attacks. Uh, he does have the ability to shoot projectiles from his staff, but that's reserved more for long-range attacks in certain situations and not, like, in the heat of battle. Um, what else was there? There was... Uh, uh, you can unlock the ability to get a special attack when you attack with the staff enough times in a row you'll charge up a special attack yeah that one's really good i i used the focus attack a lot that was really helpful yeah so did i as soon as i unlocked it i wound up being like my main way to finish off the annoying enemies yes yeah likewise we should say as well that all the enemies are essentially the same <laughs> like they're all just sort of human humanoid robots aside from the turrets yeah they've all got their differences yeah there's mi- minor differences like um one of them will have a electric projectile that will disable your shields temporarily, or um, there's one that shoots shit at you, or there's one that like is sort of a boxing one that like just keeps jabbing yeah. at you and blocks really well. That one will fucking kill you on hard so many times. Uh, I hated those ones. They're the ones that I use the staff att- like the the special attack on all the time. Yeah, it was so yeah. freaking annoying. Likewise, yeah, yeah, and uh, there is kind of shielded enemies as well which you need to either use the shock beam to disable their shield like it's like a it's like an emp sort of field to just kill their shield or you can do a charged attack which will then yep. stun them for a bit and yeah get their shield down yeah i found the combat good like it kind of reminded me of like one of the arkham asylum games or batman arkham city or something like that but with less sort of like less quick timey yeah you it was I mean? less because like- there wasn't it's not like you have a triangle above this robot's head to counter. Um, it's yeah. it's like the robot will shine red when they're about to attack and then you can block or dive out the way. Um, and yep. yeah, it works fine. It is a little bit basic. Uh, I, you know, I've, I didn't really like it too much. I'm not too keen on the whole rolling around the floor like a bell end sort of combat system. <laughs> I get a bit tired of it. Um, yeah. But I mean, there is a block, so... You can use that a lot more, and I, I probably did block more than I um, than I <laughs> rolled around. But once you unlock the things like the the counter attack and the evade attack, it gets a little bit more interesting. Although, yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Like <sighs> the counter attack was really difficult at the time. Did you find that? I don't think I successfully pulled off any counter attack, so I didn't even bother using it once. It was, it was <laughs> really damn hard, and there was there's a trophy to do 20 successful counter attacks. And I didn't get that, and that's because I stopped using it because timing it was so difficult or so precise that I kept on just getting like half half my life taken away because I wasn't blocking. Um, yeah, and even when I did manage to pull it off, it didn't really do too much damage. So um, I would have liked it to be more effective. Um, but another good part of the combat are the takedowns. 
where you might have yes. a certain robots. There's like these destroyer ones. Actually, I don't remember any of the names or which one's which, but there's these ones which you can take down and then you can use their exploding gun against your enemies. So you kind of point it at them and they just press X and then it will explode in a vicinity around you. And that's like a one-hit kill for any robot. That is super yeah. satisfying. I love that one. There's another one as well that um, has like an electric EMP thing in it as well. So like you... Similar to the exploding one, if you take those ones out with a takedown attack, it will render all of the, ro- the robots in the area stunned and their shields will be down. So, it gives you the opportunity to lay some fucking damage down. Yeah, that one's damn cool. And also, though this one I don't think appeared more than like twice was the one where you can actually take one of the robot's guns. Yeah. And you can use that against the robots. That one was cool, but I, and I, uh, the aiming was a little bit slow, but it was good. And it, But it just didn't appear that much, sadly. Yeah, it was only there for like maybe two or three times that I came across it. And even the enemies that had guns for arms that I thought were going to be able to do the same thing, I couldn't like, like he wouldn't take well, his yeah. gun off when they'll, he they'll do a takedown. Monkey will do a takedown where he might rip their arms off, rip the gun off, and they'll just chuck it away. <laughs> so yeah. you're, you're all prepared to be like, yeah, shooting time. And then he just chucks it. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was annoying. And you also have these stationary gun turrets, which... Um, for like, there's one scene pretty early on where you have to go through a load of robots and get to this one turret to take it out, and then you use it. You kind of stand on it and direct the bullets. That one's pretty good fun. I think that uh, that appears a few times as well. I think that's probably most of the robots aside from the bosses. Then yeah, let's go on to the bosses then, because I actually had a really good time with one of the bosses in particular, which ends up repeating a couple of times. Okay, so so the first one is. Uh, <laughs> I I do like the situation where you first meet this one, where the, you're um, where Trip and Monkey are looking at that aquarium that has been preserved somehow, and uh, oh, yeah. Trip's just talking about like it's a closed ecosystem, uh, and it's been here for 150 years, and all the fish are thriving, and then um, just like seconds later, this Bosch just punches straight through it. I did have a good laugh at that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was like, why the hell is this in here? Why would you introduce this stupid aquarium if you're going to destroy it seconds later? I know. Um, but it comes up in the ending again, but <laughs> yeah, that did make me laugh. Yeah, so that that's the introduction to the first boss who, I, I don't know, is this the demolitionist? Yeah, he's got like these like destructo balls on its hands. Yeah, <laughs> so they, imagine them? like um, uh, <laughs> boxing gloves. Robotic boxing gloves, which are on huge springs, and he kind of shoots them out at you. It's fairly easy to predict what he's going to do, but sometimes the timing can be a little bit tricky. So um, I I did probably die like four or five times on this one originally. Uh, yeah, I I streamed this one and I got it pretty quickly. <laughs> like I didn't die once. <laughs> I know. I freaking watched the stream. I was so upset. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, this seems easy enough. And then I went, la di da di da okay, that one's done. Next. <laughs> yeah, and there's health and, and ammo and stuff scattered around the area, but even so, I kept on goddamn dying. Uh, and anyway, the that one's pretty fun, and you've got to enrage it, and then you can get it to run. And it's kind of berserk. It doesn't really know what it's doing, and then you've just got to kind of use the scenery to, uh, to kill it. <laughs> it's, it's like a classic set piece from your... PS2, PS3, like God of War action games. I, I did enjoy yeah. that. It reminded me of a simpler time. 
Yeah, it um speaking of the bosses, I think that's uh what Horizon Zero Dawn was lacking for me because like coming to these ones, it breaks up the action so well, just having like these enclosed bosses that aren't like any other enemies that you can, you know, tactically take down or like there's a pattern to it. Like I love bosses. Yeah, actually I would definitely say that's one of the good features about this game. And uh another thing is how they've kind of weaved in action and platformers and puzzles into each area rather than separating them uh and there's if i'm thinking of games like uncharted one two and three they have these areas where you'll just go from a puzzle a story scene to a fight scene and it's just repeating and you know exactly what's coming and that's a bit monotonous at times whereas this game they kind of combine them all into all into one sometimes or they or they don't they just separate it but there's no like continual routine that they follow which you can predict which is a it's yeah. a nice feature and i also feel like that each sort of section that they have doesn't really overstay their welcome whereas like sometimes when i'm playing uncharted i'm like okay well this these freaking shootouts just stop already like i want to get onto the next thing and just take a breather yeah i completely agree yep yeah oh uh, we we didn't mention um so I'll, I'll talk about my favorite boss in a second, but it's directly tied to this other mechanic, which is Monkey's Cloud. So okay. I imagine that we might have the same favorite boss then. <laughs> <laughs> I think we probably do. Yeah, I mean, there's only like uh, three. Uh, there's more than that. There's like four or five, I think. Is there? Okay. Yeah, there's. <laughs> so I'll I'll rattle them off in a minute. <laughs> yeah, but uh, the cloud is um, this game's interpretation of Monkey's Cloud and Journey to the West. Uh, in this one, it's kind of like a hover disc type of thing that yes. he just sort of like whips out in certain areas where it works for some reason um, because of plot conveniences. And he'll like hop on it and then it, it's very like floaty and quick and fast. And you just like go around these environments collecting those little orbs and um, solving puzzles to somehow get trip from one side of the environment to the other because only one person can be on the cloud at a time. Yeah, this is a hilarious feature, which I really did not see coming. And yeah. it is it is exactly like the hoverboard in Jack 2 and Jack 3. Ah. Uh, and I love it. <laughs> it's so much fun. At first, I wasn't into it. I was like, it feels so janky because he moves so quickly when he's on it. But as the game went further along, I was like, I'm actually really enjoying this. And I want more of these sections because they're a lot of fun. Yeah. And it, it wasn't too bad to control at times. So, because uh, I was a bit worried uh, that, that it was going to be really frustrating to control and especially because you have to do a bit of platforming and there's a later section where you have to weave in and out of mines as well uh, i never really yeah. had too much problem with it it was it was just quite good it was quite satisfying to control was it refreshing like a cucumber salad you know what i think i might go and f- go as far as saying as it was as refreshing as a cucumber salad <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i actually do have a note read down here um for my very first experience with the cloud and I just said, the cloud is so janky, but admittedly fun. It was refreshing like a cucumber salad. That's kind of relevant to a lot of things in this game, I think. A bit clunky, yeah. kind of refreshing. Um, it does go on to say, though, I said, in fact, control with the joystick in general is janky. It f- feels like, so not just specific to the cloud, but control with the joystick in general is janky. Um, it feels like I'm aiming a fire hose, but I'm the only fireman holding it. Or it's like being completely wasted drunk and trying to aim your pee stream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd agree. Yeah, it's sort of like all over the place, but my opinion of the jankiness with the cloud 
completely changed because um, as soon as I adjusted to it, it was like loads of fun and I wish there were more sections of it, which will lead us in to my favorite boss. <gasps> is it? Who is? Okay, go, go. Which one is it? It is the dog. The dog. <laughs> I guess you completely forgot about the dog. Oh, man. Really? Yeah, the dog was okay. I, caught, I, I didn't uh, mind that one. <gasps> There's two times when you were going against one of these dogs, so it's kind of like- it's basically like a robot version of like a bloodhound or something. So, it's sniffed out you guys and then is hunting you down. It's pretty cool how it's introduced. Like, um, yeah, you, you see it and you, you have to stay out of its way, stay on the upper platforms, kind of get run away from it. Uh, yep. And yeah, you know the game's leading up to this eventual boss fight with it. Well, I didn't know that it was leading up to a boss fight. No, <laughs> oh, you come on. You could have predicted that. I could have, but I didn't for some reason. And I think that's mm. because of the last few games that I've played- there's no bosses. So, like, Horizon Zero Dawn, no bosses. Shadow of the Colossus was nothing but bosses. So, it just felt like general enemies. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I can't even think of the other games. That, oh, Four Guys, no bosses. <laughs> Eco, no bosses. Well, there's one boss, but it's not like bosses, plural. Mm. Anyway, so, I just kind of like my expectation of bosses. I sort of forgot that bosses even existed. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> yeah. So, like, when it came time to actually fight the dog, I had- an exciting time, <laughs> to say the least. I guess I thought that perhaps it was either going to lead to a boss fight or you would just kill it by doing some platforming. And aside from, like, away from actual having a boss fight where you physically fight it with your weapons, you might kill it with the scenery by doing some puzzle or something. Yeah, that's what I was expecting. I okay. thought I was just going to drop a chandelier on it and then that'll be it, done and dusted yeah. and move on with the story. But yeah, it comes back and then... You actually have to like hop on the cloud and um, basically zoom around this arena to try and stay away from it and then use your um, staff projectiles to stun it. And then you basically just lay into it with your staff until it gets weak enough that you can perform a takedown on it. So, I had so much fun just like going around and around in a circle in this arena, getting away far enough from it so I can jump off, whip out my staff and then shoot it and then lay into it. So... That was a fun one for me. Yeah, I um, I agree. It was quite fun. And it was it was one of those things where it's got two health bars, but you don't realize it. So, you basically yeah. have to go through the process twice. and Double excitement. Double the excitement or double the frustration, depending how, uh, how, <laughs> how much trouble you have with the, with the fight. But because it was on hard, I was kind of like pretty damn low on my health and i was getting to the to the end of the health bar what i thought was his full uh full health bar only to find out that once you've done the run around takedown thing with the cloud that you have to do it all again and you know <laughs> once you've done it though you you know the tactic and it's not too much of an issue it's 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 a pretty fair fight honestly and it was mostly fun so um yeah good job on the boss ninja theory Did yeah enjoy I had a good time with that one so was that not your favorite um, I don't know honestly if I prefer it prefer this one or the um the rhino, but uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I think it probably yeah. I think this one was better. I think it was better. Yeah, yeah. So the the rhino one is um. We won't go into every single boss because that's you know yeah. too much detail that no one's asking for. But the rhino one is similar. And it's kind of like a combination of the pair of like the first two bosses. So you have to like. Um, lure it to charge at you to get it weak but you also need to team up with 
Pigsy, who is throwing these, like, explosive projectiles into the arena so you can shoot them when they're close by the rhino to weaken it. Yeah. Yeah. So, that was a fun one as well. In, uh, later in the game, you do have a, another version of the dog boss, but next time, he has a machine gun. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, that one was fun as well. That I one was still pretty one. good. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, that was the bosses. What's next? <laughs> What's next? Um, so, where are we in the story? Okay, well, let's let's jump into the story then. So, this will be the spoiler warning. We're going to go into the story. Um, if you don't want this 10-year-old game spoiled, by all means, um, go play it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you have access to it. I mean, it's 10 years old. The likelihood of you finding a copy is kind of slim. Although, it only sold like 730,000 copies. So, maybe there's like bunch of copies floating out there that you can grab for the cheap but anyway yeah it's super cheap if you do find it yeah i do recommend you play it but i think the story itself is not the main draw of this it's like the experience of playing it so um you can listen to this forget about what we say and then go and play it yourself and have some fun yeah so i feel like the story kind of picks up once you get to I think about chapter six and this is when you end up going to the community uh with trip so the community is kind of where Trip was brought up and it's seen as a bit of a sanctuary for humans. Um, but as soon as you get there, you get the feeling that something's not quite right. And that is because the the gates and stuff and the bridges that lead to this community aren't manned. There's no one there. Something's not quite right. They're, they're not opening up for Trip. And so you have to go the long way around. This leads to Trip doing the first annoying thing where she kind of just fucks off into the community on your own. Ugh. While there's tons of robots around and she's constantly running away from you, crying, because it seems that everyone is dead. Da -da -da. Yeah. Okay, so I get that you would be upset, but this is one of the points in the game where I absolutely hated Trip because she's promised that she'll take off the headband once you escort her to her home. There are points in the game up to this part where if you stray too far away from her, your headband goes off and you die. So, she runs away from you. If she dies, you die. If she gets too far away from you, you die. But thankfully, they didn't sort of turn that into any sort of game element. So, they yeah. ignore that in this chapter. Um, but just the, the fact that if you're monkey, you're like, holy shit, this chick that I am tied to who I will die if... No, you know what I mean? Like, I'll die if she dies and she's just run off as an emotional wreck and yes. has completely left me. I'm like, you fucking Selfish idiot. Bitch. Why the hell? <laughs> yeah, I cracked it with her. I'm like, I can't stand you. You are selfish. Why the hell would you do that? Do you not yeah. care about Monkey at all? <laughs> yeah, one of, the, one of the notes I took was that the character development was minimal and there was no real reason to, to like Trip or, or feel too sorry for her at this point yeah so yeah the next few chapters are kind of you following her uh, eventually getting into the community seeing all these dead bodies and you eventually get to this locked door where you find Tripp's dad who seems to be the only person who's preserved all the other people seem to be like a burnt corpse on the floor yeah <laughs> So, there are, there are two factions of enemies in this game. There is the robots that were left behind from the war, but there are also the slavers who are the ones who are collecting other people to bring back to their headquarters and create slaves out of them. The slavers are the ones that have attacked Trip's home 
and um, because they have resisted, they basically just murdered all of them and then burnt their corpses um, or burnt them alive. And Tripstat is the only one that managed to get to like a safe location. And um, unfortunately, when uh, after multiple chapters, <laughs> Monkey and Trip managed to get into this safe room, but um, <laughs> Trip's father is already dead. Yeah. Did he commit suicide? I don't remember. I honestly don't remember. Yeah, but he, he leaves a voice mail <laughs> for her. <laughs> yeah. And um, so from that point, Trip had promised to take the, the headband off Monkey, but she basically turns around and says, no, I'm sorry, I promised you this, but I'm not going to take it off because now I want to go off and um, chase him down and have my revenge. And Monkey, for some reason, has got a crush on Trip now. Or they've connected for whatever reason. I don't understand why. I think it's like some kind of Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> yeah. Like, they have this one scene where they, while they're, like, on his little motorbike, um, riding away from New York City to get to the sanctuary area, they stop off overnight by campfire and have, like, a little deep and meaningful chat. And I think that's, like, <laughs> the start of when the emotions happen. But to go from that to the sanctuary where she abandons you and runs into a hazardous situation that could be bad for Monkey... I'm just like, fuck you, crazy bitch. I don't want to be with you. But for some reason, he's into her. And then he's like, fine, leave it on. And then long story short, <laughs> they go journeying further west um, to meet up with one of her father's friends who winds up being Pigsy. And then they will enlist his help to chase down the, the slavers and storm their headquarters and get their revenge. Yeah. Before we go on to the chapters with Pigsy, mm -hmm. I would just like to bring up a feature of the game which brought uh, brought itself to my attention as being shit during the <laughs> chapters when trip is it the boat no 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 um <laughs> we'll get onto that too it's that <laughs> when the, when trip runs away from you uh you haven't got access to your health files and i guess because i was playing on hard and had a harder time with the combat than you having some form of healing would have been nice and in this game you pick up health files which you know in every other game you'd be able to apply to yourself in this one you have to go up to trip and then select the option for her to inject these health files into you to give you some healing did they not have health packs as well you, you what you the ones you pick up yeah sure but okay yeah because there are there are healing items that you pick up that heal you straight away yeah there are and yeah. th this this wasn't a huge issue, um, but it's just a strange design choice, if you ask me, why yeah. you would need Trip to inject these things, because clearly Monkey is uh, an insane superhuman who could obviously <laughs> inject himself if he wanted to. Don't know why he needs Trip to do it for him. Um, it's just really strange and frustrating when you have... this. I mean, this is like four, maybe three or four chapters worth where Trip isn't with you. And so you can't use these health files. And, and I would say there are quite a good amount of health packs scattered around levels generally. But on some situations, um, having these health files would be nice. <laughs> yeah, it's just, just something I thought I'd bring light to. Okay. Um, I never had a problem with healing because I was playing on normal. So I don't think I ever once used any of those vials that Trip has. But it's worth noting as well that while she's away, um, you can't level up any of your stats or any of your skills either so yeah everything like that is tied to her and in those chapters not only can you not use her for the health vial stuff but you can't um use the currency that you've picked up to 
buy any of the new skills. Yeah. The the decoy goes away. Yeah. Make sure you're upgraded everything that you need before she uh, goes running off. Yeah, you've just got to predict when she's about to uh, jog on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, again, again, it it's not a huge deal. It's just something that I feel is a little bit odd. Yeah, there, there is one point as well towards the end where they tell you this is your last opportunity to upgrade. So, make sure oh, yeah. that you use whatever upgrades that you can. But it would be nice that if they... Uh, I would say it would be nice if they warned you when she's about to leave for multiple chapters, but I guess she's not gone for that long, so I don't know. Yeah. So, so after this, when you go after the slavers and meet Pigsy, <laughs> this is where you first have to have the boat defense situation. Yeah. Mm. I barely made it through that um, yeah. with without the boat sinking, so... Yeah, it's just one of those classic sort of on-the-rail turret sections, but instead of, like, being on the back of a car or whatever, you're on the back of this hover boat and you need to shoot a shitload of robots that are shooting your boat and yeah. the boat health is going down and the aiming is an issue in these sections. And um, I actually had a lot of issues with performance during these sections as well. Like, the frame rate dipped significantly for me on the Xbox version. Okay. Yeah, I had a little bit of frame issues. Nothing too bad. The aiming was more of a problem for me. Uh, it was. It felt a little bit uber sensitive at times, and because you had to be quite precise with these robots. Like, um, yeah, even though the robots are quite big, for some reason, it, it felt like there was only a certain area you could actually hit them. Uh, yeah, they're really far away too, and your aiming yeah. reticle is so big. That yeah, isn't that accurate? Yeah, I imagine this would be a console only problem because. Mouse and keyboard is a far easier way to aim and more precise. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it could be an issue. And because this situation is on rails, it is timed. And it, if you fail, you probably brought back right to the start. Fortunately, I managed to do the whole thing first time. And it was like a gnat's cock worth of health at the end. So I was <laughs> really expecting to fail. But <laughs> it was like... Praise the Lord, I've made it. Yeah, I made it through the last checkpoint with a pig's ass hair of health left. <laughs> yeah, yes, likewise. <laughs> to use analogies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Anyway, so not a whole lot of um, story happens from this point on. Like, you and Trip meet up with Pigsy, who is the morbidly obese pig-looking guy, which I don't understand how... It's this is a common complaint I have with like post-apocalyptic TV shows and movies and games is how do they manage to have one character that is insanely overweight? Like how much food are they eating when food is supposed to be scarce? You know, like that guy from Lost who managed to stay big the whole time. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly who you mean. Yeah. Uh, well, like I'm not trying to fat shame anyone. Be whoever you want to be. And it's all that more sort like of stuff. how did you achieve this? Yeah, this state of well-being. The, the amount of calories that a body needs to put on weight is rather large when you have a scarce amount of food around. So, um, it, that sort of stuff breaks realism for me. Maybe it's, like, uh, maybe it's like edema, you know, where, where they just kind of build up fluid and it's not fat. <laughs> oh, he was very liquidy, so that's a possibility. Yeah, yeah aside from the um realism aspect <laughs> his character design is quite uh grotesque and it's i feel like he's got a um 
I think he hasn't got a nose, and in in place of it, he's got this metal pig's nose. It's a metal pig's nose. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. He's also um, very crude and obscene, and makes a lot of sexual passes at. Well, no, not necessarily passes. He makes a couple of passes, not sexual, but he hits on trip a bit. His humor is very sexual. So, yeah. what do you think about his sexual humor? I wouldn't say his humor is laugh out loud funny, but there were times yeah. when I did find it quite hilarious. Um, <laughs> whether it's like in the best taste, I don't know. But he, he, you know what he reminded me of was um, Sully from Uncharted. If Sully was like a hundred times more sleazy and disgusting <laughs> whereas you might yeah. describe Sully as like a, a sly old dog you would describe Pixie as a sleazy old monstrosity uh, and yeah it's I quite like his character I can't I can't deny it uh, I I wasn't a fan no <laughs> not really I mean he it's kind of funny because like I I love like a double entendre. I love uh, a dirty joke as much as the next person, but I found his like really sort of out of place because I haven't really seen humor like that in a game before. Yeah, and it came on a little bit too strong. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a bit at times. Uh, yeah, it but- was like borderline South Park the game kind of humor, but to to play it in this kind of game, I was like, whoa, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> definitely out of the blue. There was nothing like that before at all. Yeah. It was kind of like edgy humor, like, you know, um, comment section of a YouTube video kind of humor. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. That's probably the best description you could give it. Yeah. All right. I mean, like, I didn't have a problem with his humor that much. I have more of a problem with um, how disgusting he was, but, like, physically. <laughs> he's just one of those people that if he was walking down the street, I would lock my kids in the house and stay away from him. I think I'd retch after looking at him. Yeah. Yeah. And there's also the fact that he is, like, incredibly agile and fit, even though he's clearly very unfit. (laughs) Ah, Yeah. There is this funny section where um, Monkey and him have a competition to see who can make it to the top of this tower. Um, (laughs) Granted, Pigsy uses a grappling hook and Monkey is just climbing up platforming stuff. But there is a trophy for beating him. Did you manage to get that trophy? I sure did, even though- When I got to the top, I, I think he was there before me, so I don't know how it worked. But he well, did say, you got here first. I got to the top and he definitely was there before me and I definitely didn't get the trophy. <laughs> uh, must have been like seconds in it. Ah, bugger. I, I wasn't game enough to try it again, so I just kind of gave up on that one. Yeah, yeah. It was it was definitely... um. You know, I find that a bit annoying at times too because there were there was a few scenes where you kind of had to wait to watch him. <laughs> and I thought, yeah. I could be climbing right now. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, anyway, let's let's uh, speed through the rest of the story. So, um, Pigsy comes up with a plan where they stalk um, the slavers and then find out this information that they have this massive weapon in a dam. I think it's supposed to be Hoover Dam. Is it Hoover yeah. Dam? I'm not sure if they ever actually say. They have a few flashbacks where they show the dam and Andy. <laughs> I think it's implied to be Hoover Dam. It's it's the most famous dam. Let's say it's the Hoover yeah, Dam. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not an American geographer, so I don't know where I'm not a dam expert. Place. Yeah, I don't know. Damn I didn't it. study American geography, so I don't know. Oh, I get what you were doing there. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a damn. <laughs> um anyway, there's this massive gigantic 
Leviathan um, robot that uh, they go in and hijack. Um, that in itself takes a couple of chapters to get in there and then you're inside the robot. So, you need to like hijack it and take off its restraints and stuff. And then that will lead you to the final chapter where Pigsy is piloting the Leviathan and yeah. you are going to the Slaver's headquarters, which is called Pyramid, which is actually shaped like this glowing pyramid. And then that will take you to the final boss where it's like this massive like scorpion robot thing gets on top of the Leviathan and um, Monkey himself has to take him down. Uh, it was a stressful boss fight for me. Uh, yeah, it was just, it went on for so long. Yeah. That was my only issue with it. That one overstayed as welcome. It really did. It, It's like you have to do everything <laughs> too many times. It, uh, it's like it's got two sections which are basically repeated and it just feels like you should only have to do it once i think it was it was a case of too many times of him saying that's not my final form <laughs> pretty much yeah yeah and it was it wasn't like it was um a new design boss cuz you pigsy's kind of killing these robotic scorpion things and then one of them gets on board and then it's the standard monkey to kill it so it's not like it's a special robot or, or anything new it's uh yeah i think i had the issue of just the fact that the boss itself wasn't difficult. It was just lengthy, and you, you. At, at one point, I was just going like, "For fuck's sake, is this not over still?" And it is one of those features, bosses where you just have to kind of shoot the glowing bits, climb up to then shoot more glowing bits, fight more robots, then shoot more glowing bits. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, for God's sake. I think this one in particular was stressful for me because the music was like fully pumping and then um i got into it and i kept getting swarmed by other robots because i didn't want to stop to fight them i wanted to just take the boss down especially when it got to the point where you had like you were repeating it for the third or fourth time yeah. so it's just like oh, ignoring the robots around me and that was like the only times i died because i was ignoring those to try and just shoot the boss to end it as soon as possible okay yeah i didn't i didn't bother doing that i killed all the monsters first because i knew they'd just fuck me up if i left them yeah i thought they were just respawning so i gave up i wasn't sure but yeah i, I know what you mean it is kind of uncertain and another thing is that i was slightly stressed out at this point because i had no idea if or when there were going to be any checkpoints. So I kind of... I, I never knew, like, if I died, where I, whether I'd have to redo the boss fight from the start or from, like, stage three, for instance. Uh, but fortunately, this game is mostly pretty generous with the checkpoints, and you, especially with the bosses, and you don't have to worry too much should you die. I, I was worried at certain points. Like, I, I don't know if this game is saving or where it's saving, and I couldn't find, like, a save option. So... Yeah. Um, I mean, that was the first time I played it. Um, eventually, I looked it up and it's just autosave, so not too big of a deal. But it doesn't really tell you where the checkpoints are unless you're paying very close attention to that little rotating icon that pops up on occasion. Which I did not do. Yeah, I noticed it maybe twice in the entire time I played it and just assumed that certain sections were ch checkpoints. And if they weren't, I didn't care. I was turning the game off to go to bed. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, should say before... We get into like the ending ending. Um, Trip and Monkey share a romantic scene together where um, as they're heading <laughs> towards the pyramid overnight, she says sorry for having the headband on him and then he like deactivates it for him. And then he's like, no, turn it back on. Yeah. Because like, turn it like, back on. 
yeah, it's his, his way of saying, I love you. I'll stay here and protect you. It's like, I will never leave you. It came you. out of nowhere. It did. <laughs> and you know what it felt like to me? Forced. It was like the developers just couldn't be bothered to create a new design without a helmet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you're so right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, we can't be bothered to, to redo, redo this cutscene. Like, I, I get that they're like trying to get the romantic relationship thing happening, but my problem with it was that Trip was so unlikable in the early sections, and even when they start to hint at this romance, the way she talks to you during the levels is still super bossy. Like, she'd just be like, get over here, throw me up. And I'm like, fucking ask, say please. Yeah. Rudeness. Yeah, she is hard to like. Like, I think maybe there's the fact that every human is dead. <laughs> it's like, well. Yeah, true. This is uh, your only shot. Don't need to mind your P's and Q's when uh, everyone else is dead. You just got to take what you can find. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, so Monkey and Trooper in love now, and then um, final cutscene starts up. The two manage to get inside the pyramid and are greeted by the giant face of who? Da, 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 da. It's giant Andy Circus. It's Andy Circus delivering a monologue. <laughs> like it's actually the actor's face up on this screen, talking directly to Monkey, Trip, and the player, and I felt so uncomfortable. <laughs> it was a bit odd. This is funny, because you sent me a message when you got to this bit about <laughs> how you found it so hilarious. I, I, Even though you had told me that, I kind of didn't see it coming. I was not expecting it. Yeah, I wasn't either. <laughs> it was really funny. And for the record, all I said in the message was like, prepare for Andy Circus overload. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is what you meant. Yeah. So, it turns out that p- the pyramid is, like, at the very center of the pyramid is Andy Circus. <laughs> so- yeah. He seems to be connected up to this machine. Um, and he's wearing this, this mask, <clears throat> which is the same mask that you've been picking up throughout the game and seeing these flashbacks of Andy Circus. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, because Monkey has this connection to the mask, which in turn, I think is connected to the pyramid in some way. Uh, that That's why you, you see these visions. The pyramid itself is created by Andy Serkis's character um, who was alive in the old, old days. And so their reason for being slavers is because it's basically its own matrix. Yep. So all the slavers are hooked up into this matrix and even though they're following all these orders in real, quote-unquote, real life, what they're seeing behind the masks are, you know, like, this imagined world of, you know, happiness and everything's fine and everything's back to normal and, um, you know, they've got families and ki- kids and wives and jobs and, yeah. like, everyday contemporary things, even though it's a- the apocalypse and many of them probably don't even know that the apocalypse has happened. So, it's this moral dilemma that you get in your head then like well because the world outside is just desert and robots and polluted water should we uh get them out of this fake life only to to put them into this kind of miserable real one and i was expecting a choice to come up at this point to be like free the slaves or let them continue but no should also clarify um the the actual like actor face of Andy Circus talking to the player is um the voice of the character talking through this like hologram thing so yeah. um part of the other reason for the the 
pyramid is because it wants to preserve the memories of the old world. And the, the way it's doing that is through flashbacks of Andy Circus's life. So, like, Andy Circus, <laughs> the person's life. Um, I got, like, being John Malkovich vibes from, <laughs> from yeah. this. I would have loved it if they just came up with visions of him, like, in his mocap suit doing Gollum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is me on vacation in New Zealand shooting Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> this is me with Gandalf. Um, yeah. yeah. This is me and Gandalf having beers with Frodo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have loved that so much. Oh, Gandalf. <laughs> Gandalf. Hey, it's Gandalf. Um, but alas, this game, this game does not have Gandalf. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. So Andy Circus, because he doesn't have a name, we're just going to call him Andy Circus. Andy Circus <laughs> offers Monkey the mask and says, "Put the mask on, and you'll see the world that all these other slaves are in." And Monkey tries on the mask, and he basically can't take it off. And Trip is there. And she takes matters into her own hand and ends up killing Andy Circus by ripping out all the tubes um, and disconnecting him from this pyramid thing. So, the whole concept is supposed to go back to the fish tank, which is its, what's it, a self-eco... A closed ecosystem. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> self-eco something rather. Um, yeah, so it's a closed ecosystem. Um, and then she even says to herself, I don't know if I made the right decision, but... I couldn't risk losing you or, or some, like, fucking romantic nonsense like that. Yeah. Um, I liked it. <laughs> I was not expecting it. And, yeah, I was... I guess I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, it really caught me off guard. And um, all the other slaves as well start coming out of this Matrix thing. So, it ends, like, very quickly after that. Yeah. And it kind of, like, sets it up for a sequel. So, I was totally down for this, like, whole Matrix vibe... You know, what's going to happen in the next game? Like, all these slaves are going to, you know, experience the real world again. Yeah. Have they done the right thing? Yeah, yeah. but we will definitely not be getting a sequel. <laughs> no, there will not be a sequel. <laughs> so, we'll just have to make it up for whatever we think. Yeah. Yeah. There were plans for a sequel, but it seriously underperformed. So, it wasn't go- about to get a sequel greenlit anytime soon. Yeah, it was not a financial succe- success. Nope. Andy Serkis's fee was just too high. Yeah, that's what did it. That's what did <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. You know what's funny also is in that last scene with Andy Serkis on the on the hologram screen, so they have a strange angle where they look at it from above as well. And it, it just makes Andy Serkis's head look like uh, massive and I couldn't help but laugh and kind of not take it seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like he was tilting his nose up at us, like, look inside my nostrils. <laughs> oh, Andy, no. mate. Pull back a bit. <laughs> yeah. And he was, I know he was given the direction to like be as blank as possible, but I just found it really funny. <laughs> it was, yeah, it, it just was quite funny. I just imagined him sitting there talking to a camera and he's like thinking, this is going to be in a video game. <laughs> For some reason, I, I thought they must, like, I can't remember what the actual background was, but it just seemed to me like they were recording in like a toilet or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was like an office or something. It was like yeah. a, just a generic room. Just a, like a just another room. room in the game development studio. Yeah, that's got to be it. Yeah. <laughs> just someone pointing a little camera at him. Be like, read this, Andy. <laughs> it's like, hey, Andy, action. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like they've just pulled someone off the street and got them to read this. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, uh, hobo, you want to get a job? 
Yeah, yeah sure I do, sir. <laughs> All right, say these lines into this camera. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I liked it. We d- we do poke fun at it, but it was quite good. I would have just yeah. I would have just liked more build up for the story throughout the game. A little bit. I would have liked more backstory for the world, more story for yeah. the slavers in the pyramid. Um, there's hints scattered there, though. Like I just um, think there's not in- enough. All right, well, I agree. I'm just trying to like defend a little bit. <laughs> okay, okay, fine. But there are there are hints in there. There's like um, there's a billboard in New York in one of the earlier chapters that you're in there, which is like a presidential election billboard. Then there's like uh, graffiti over it, which is like lies, lies, and like all this stuff about having a brighter future and all that. Oh yeah. Um, and and then there is like the mask uh, flashbacks to Andy Serkis's holiday life, which. Like gave like the ending gave all that context, which I really appreciated. Um, I loved that, but still, like, give me some audio tapes or like something. Yeah, exactly. This is what Horizon Zero Dawn did much better with the audio tapes yeah. and those uh, vantages, you know, where you kind of saw the yeah. password and then had an audio going over the top. That would have been nice rather than just visions of Andy. Yeah, I wish they had a second collectible, which was like an audio tape or something, other than. Like, re- replace the, the currency collection thing. So, scrap that trophy and create a whole different collectible, which um, fleshes out the backstory, and you can get a trophy for collecting those. Yeah. I'm down for that. Data logs. That's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Ninja Theory, if you're listening, if you could just uh, install a patch where you uh, have more data logs. I know it's 10 years late, but it could still be done. Uh, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> so, thanks. Thanks. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> Even if they did, I probably wouldn't replay it. <laughs> no, me neither. Nah. But I had a really good time and I would recommend that if you do have this and you haven't played it yet and it's on your backlog, put it in because it's like only eight to ten hours long and it's a pretty fun ride despite some of its jankiness. Yeah. I would uh, I would say that it took me probably like an hour per chapter, maybe. Let's go for the last ones, which were actually a bit easier. So, um, it was more like probably like 12 13 hours so okay either way it's pretty short yeah pretty short it's um easily digestible completely linear which i'm totally fine with i i think that linear games get a real bad rap sometimes but sometimes i just want to play a game that's going to take me from point a to point b without any fuss hey yeah i was going to say the same thing i um yeah I quite like linear games when they're done right they can focus more on, on the good bits Exactly, and you don't waste, like, a bunch of hours exploring something that doesn't have any payoff. So, you can just do what you're supposed to do, play the intended experience that the devs created for you, and then you're done and dusted. So, yeah. Here, here. I enjoyed it. Recommend Enslaved. Um, p- pick it up at your local butcher for nine ninety nine a pound. Um, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> that's Enslaved, everybody. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's round this up then. Uh, follow us on Twitter at Bad Backlog. Our Twitch is Good Bad Backlog, all one word. Uh, we now have an Instagram that I made as of uh, yesterday, I think, which is at Good Bad Backlog. I have like two posts on there. Um, we'll start sharing stuff like our game pickups, um, maybe some photos of our collections. Um, stuff like that yeah uh and stories and whatever and maybe some of the new merch that we've (laughs) purchased oh yes and of course the store we have the merch store which was a raving success thankfully made a few good sales in the last week 
as of the time you are listening to this podcast when it's released, you will still have seven more days to get 15% off. So, hop on there, grab yourself a t-shirt or a hoodie or a dog bandana, which seem to be our <laughs> biggest sellers. Uh, <laughs> and uh, get a mug. I don't know. Do whatever you want. Buy something if you like. Yeah. Um, you'll be the, supporting us. The options are almost limitless. Yeah. Uh, oh, you can get face masks too. We've added face masks. So, yeah. Um, stay COVID safe with a face mask. Damn straight. Yeah. And if you want to email us sending any questions or whatever, you can email us on goodbadbacklog at gmail.com. Yeah. Maybe at some point we should release a list of what games we have and then get people to vote. On That'd be what cool. We, yeah. What they want us to play. Or maybe we should just have like a, yeah. a short list. Because we've got a yeah, ton like of we'll, games. We'll make a little short list of games that we have ready to go. And then um, at some point we'll do a poll on Twitter or something. And you guys can decide what you want us to play. Um, Going to need a bit more followers for that. So, come on, guys. If you have Twitter and you're not following us, get on there and follow us, please. Yeah, there's nothing to lose. There's absolutely nothing yeah. to lose. Yeah. I mean, what's one more thing that you're following? Nothing. Exactly. Yeah. And this is, this is <laughs> good, high-quality Highest quality content for free. Medium quality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. High to medium. Um, yeah. Okay. So, those are all our, our social media deets. Um, see how fucking cool I am? Like, I'm, I'm like a hip young kid saying deets. Dang. Um, what game do we have coming next week? So, for the next episode, we will be talking about the game Singularity. Yeah. I'll be playing it on... PS3, as usual. Are you Xbox 360 this time? Yes. I don't know if it's backwards compatible or not. Um, I will have a look. I, oh, I yeah. have finished it before, but it's been longer than like eight plus years since I've played it. So, I'm actually really excited to get back into it. Yeah. Yeah. So, there's no hard and fast rule that we haven't have had to play the game before. Like, just because you've played and finished something doesn't mean we can't revisit it. Exactly. So. Sometimes it's nice to just go back and replay a game. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, so, I guess we should thank our many sponsors. Yep. Uh, <laughs> every time. I've always got to think of one. It's terrible. I didn't prepare one this time, so let me think about this too. I would like to thank our sponsors, the UK Liberal Democrats. Um, everyone thought they had vanished, but they actually have decided to spend their money by supporting the good, the bad, and the backlog. Thank you, Lib Dems. <laughs> I don't understand what any of that means. <laughs> we do not support a political party. <laughs> okay. I support parties in general, but you know, not, not political. That's right. Um, and my sponsor for this week is... Um... Tampons. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. Bye <laughs> bye.